The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. about to inspire you with the stories of real people. Welcome to A Current Life with your host, Jimmy Gould. In the next hour, you will meet one of the most interesting and successful people in the world. Listen as Jimmy gets their real story of success, both the highs and the lows. We hope that you take with you some of the ideas we will share today and embrace your own journey. Now, here's Jimmy. Welcome to another edition of A Current Life. I'm your host, Jimmy Gould, and I'm very excited to introduce to you my special guest, dear friend, partner, and client to this week's Super Bowl special, Frosty Rucker. Frosty, welcome to to A Current Life. Good to be back. It's been a while. I know, my friend. Well, I appreciate it. This is a big weekend for people all over the world who watch this event, and, and it's the largest single event of its kind, and... I couldn't think of a better person and a, a person that I love more than having you on this show. So uh, uh, I really appreciate your coming on. Um, you got it, man. Listen, for our uh, listeners, uh, Frosty uh, Rucker is a defensive end for the Cleveland Browns of the National Football League. He grew up in Tustin, California, and he attended the University of Southern California before continuing his football career in Ohio, first with the Cincinnati Bengals and then with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, as you know, Frosty, uh, the show's about life's journey and the ups and the downs that we all have to overcome to get where each of us is meant to be. So I'd like to start off with your early years uh, growing up. Uh, what were you like as a younger boy? Where did you grow up, and what was life like as a young boy? I had a good childhood, Jim, and all the followers. I grew up in Tustin, California, which is uh, about 15 minutes away uh, inland from the beach, Newport Beach, uh, right near the airport. Uh, I had a great upbringing, uh, single-parent home. Uh, my mom did her best to keep me and my two sisters out of trouble. Um, went to a great high school that's produced a lot of good athletes. And, um, you know, I, I played sports growing up and just continued on that path. The, um, you know, kind of in, in looking back on your family, who were you closest to and, and kind of who had the most impact on you as a young boy? I'd have to say my mother. You know, she was there around the clock. Um, obviously, um, you know, when parents split up, you know, you, you generally get to either go to one or the other's house or they split the majority of the time. But my mom was a full parent, 365, and uh, looked up to her in many ways of, you know, handling, balancing the house, um, young kids by herself, juggling jobs, trying to, you know, get on her feet. And um, very inspirational, and I'm, I'm a proud son. Were, were there any particular obstacles, or maybe one thing you can point to that you faced growing up, and and you know, and 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 maybe, you know, for our listeners, how you overcame it? I think one, one thing um, stuck out to me is uh, that was a real eye opener. 
is uh, when my mom sat down and talked to me and my sisters about Christmas and that, you know, she uh, works really hard to give gifts and which she, she really broke down that there, there wasn't a Santa. So uh, we had that, that story that, you know, she had two jobs at the time and had to put stuff under the uh, Christmas tree and had to be thankful and, you know, appreciate everything you get because people work hard for it, you know, and uh, I think that stuck out the most. And how to just work hard and just to do what you have to do to provide for your family. Was your or what was really your earliest memory of learning to play football and what, you know, I, I mean, obviously, you know, it took to you and you took to it. What was your kind of fondest memory of that and, and what really got you into that? I think it was uh, I was watching TV and uh, the then Los Angeles Rams, they played in Orange County at the Anaheim Stadium. And uh, I see it on TV and uh, I'll never forget, it was Jackie Slater, Hall of Fame um, tackle, he was giving an interview after a game, and, you know, I ran and got my mom. I was like, Mom, I want to do that. I think I was about five or six years old, and she was like, no way, you're going to get hurt. You know, I had those <laughs> little skinny legs as a kid. <laughs> and uh, But it just stuck. I sat in front of that TV and watched that and um, just started seeing kids at my school, you know, that were talking about playing on Saturday mornings and stuff like that, and I signed up and just never looked back. I was uh I was coached great, you know, by a lot of different coaches in the Orange County area, and they all cared tremendously about, you know, us as people as well as the athlete and how to work hard. And it's just, you know, I took it step by step and, you know, made a positive life for myself. Was there one thing about the sport, um, you know, that made you love it? Because, I mean, it is a, a very competitive sport, and obviously, it takes a lot. Of, does a it takes a big toll on your body, and and you know, you as you and I both know, being in it and being together in it, the um, I mean, it's a it's a twenty four seven around the clock. I mean, you have very little time off. Even on the off season, you know, you're working out, and you're preparing for the next season. What was it about the sport, you know, and uh, that that really attracted you to it in particular? Uh, looking at it as a, as a football player? Well, it was a long, long time ago before it was, you know, about the timing and off-seasons and stuff like that. It was about, you know, competing at practice with your friends and uh, striving to learn your plays as quickly as the coach gave them to you so you could execute it and win Saturday and brag about it at school and, you know, being around the guys and stuff like that. Those key things were just, you know, instrumental to me, you know, being around the the guys and in the huddle and working hard and executing the plays and, you know, getting a high five from the coach and going and having a pizza party after. It's just, you know, those things are special to me and, you know, being around the guys, you know, just, I mean, that, 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 that sums it up for me. Well, it really is. A, I mean, first of all, it's a team sport. I mean, you know, I was a tennis player, so there really, even though we had a team, it was a kind of a one against one thing. And what I loved is I loved to play baseball, and I grew up playing baseball until I hurt my arm. But I loved the camaraderie that that you shared with your teammates, and you had to learn to be dependent on others. And you know, I watch when you play. Um, you know, even today, I mean, I, I as you know, I never miss anything that you do out there, and being your agent for those people that are listening and having been your agent for a long time. Um, 
you know, you're you uh, you're a leader on the team, and the and the players come to you, and you're you 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 get excited not just when you do something well, but when your teammates do something well. And I don't see that with everybody. I think that you have a love of the sport and a love of the game, and you really care deeply about what happens to your teammates. I mean, I feel that from you. Do you feel that's an accurate feeling? Yeah, yeah, that's accurate. I mean, it's the, the key to all that is just to be yourself. And I'm not saying I can't speak for any other people that, you know, you say that you don't see the same type of spirit, so to say. Um, I'm just myself, you know what I mean? And it's it's playing ball and being around your guys and depending on one another, working hard to achieve a goal and, you know, the whole process that goes into that, you know, a training camp and stuff like that, that brings people together. And, you know, it's a, it's a brotherhood. So, you know, when, when you're out there and you're fighting and, you know, it's a close game or fourth and inches. You know, you you just want to be there for your guys. If they, you know they fall down, and they get hurt, you got to go pray by them. You just got to do those things and let everyone know that you care so passionately about your livelihood and your profession. You know, I probably should correct. I mean, certainly uh, it exists in a lot, and probably the majority of the players. What I really meant is probably the opposite, and that is, I'm I'm amazed that when you love something as much and dedicate as much as your life to it, that when I see certain players and have, probably not just in, in your sport, but in other sports where, where we've been involved, um, it kind of amazes me because, you know, you need to be passionate about what you do in life no matter what you do, and not just in sports, but in anything you do. I mean, you watch me in business. You watch what we do here every day when you're in our offices, and you know how dedicated we are and. You know, you have to love to come to work, and it's not always going to be fun. I mean, you know, it takes its toll, whether it's stress and mentally or emotionally or physically, but you have to love it. You have to feel that it's a part of you, and I think that a lot of people don't understand, you know, when they're not in it, and you haven't walked in other people's shoes. You know, it's hard to, to judge it because you really don't know what it's like. I mean, I see an unbelievable commitment out of you and, and, and some of the other people I, I represent. But I can tell the difference when someone's completely committed to it, and that way they keep their body in shape and they care about how they are so that they're prepared for what lies ahead. And they also think about their image off the field and how they deal with you know the, the myriad of people from press to uh, business people when they meet them. I mean, you, know, you handle yourself beautifully uh, with people, and it says a lot about your mom and a lot about your growing up and a lot about, you know, the experiences and maybe a little bit about uh, your agent, but more about you. <laughs> I, <do laughs> I had to get that agent. one in there. I do got a good agent. <laughs> <laughs> he does his job. How about that? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so take me from high school to Southern Cal and, and a little bit about how that all came about and, you know, uh, what life was like at the university at Southern, at USC? Okay, from high school, um, I was a part of a, a good high school team. You know, we made it far my senior year. I think we made it to, I think the semifinals and and uh, the California um, playoff system out there. We uh, we had three other guys besides myself that went on to play Division One football and. They are in the pros also till today, you know, going on their eighth and ninth year in the league. And uh, it was a a pleasure playing for Coach Meyer Miller out there at Tustin High. He's put 
numerous guys um, into the NFL and had a strong work ethic and really taught you how to be dependable and, you know, how to work. You know, uh, we put a lot of hours in the weight room in high school. Um, you know, we had all tutoring sessions and everything. We had to make sure we covered our tails on every single end, and that was Coach Miller's rules, and we had to stick to it. And, and uh, I was fortunate. I, I got a full-ride uh, scholarship to Colorado State first, and I ended up transferring after the first year and coming home. And from the day I stepped on USC's campus, it just was just magical. Every every class I took, every uh, time I had to, you know, be social with my classmates and, you know, play the game and with my teammates and go on the, the winning streak like we did and play the type of football. I mean, it's just magical. That's the word for it. Does Do you feel that, that the um... – Football programs in college today, the NCAA, the whole way it works. I mean, I've, I've never asked you this question. Do you feel that college players should get paid to play football? In, I mean, get something so that there isn't this aura around agents and around you know money and all the stuff that's gone on. Do you feel that it's a bit unfair, or do you or do you agree with the the, the, the you know the, what's going on? Well, the one thing is you know, in any type of situation there is in life there's rules and if it's the NCAA or the NFL's making them or you're the CEO of a company you have your own set rules in that business and people have to abide by them to work to achieve something so I think what the NCAA is if that's what we're focusing on um, they do have a lot of stuff that may need to change you know mm-hmm. was the last time right. they've changed rules was the last time they you know really looked into what the real issues are here and stopped blaming the kids because they are kids. Right. You know what I mean? And everyone's accountable for themselves, and you know you know, right from wrong, and you should. But at the same time, you know, there, something needs to be done to help these kids out so they don't have to make bad decisions. It's like forcing them to make bad decisions. I do think there's a bit of a movement on in the NCAA to change some of that so that some – stipend can be given. There's a lot of money that's being made. Uh, I, I don't think it's fair to blame it on agents. I don't think it's fair to blame it on players. Or Really, it's the whole system needs to be looked at, and it hasn't been looked at for a long time. I think there's been a lot of focus on agents, and there should be. I mean, you know, there are good agents and bad agents, just like there are good players and bad players and good owners and bad owners and so on and so forth. But I think, you know, look, there's there's a myriad of issues when it comes to boosters and, and, and alumni and, and, and big money at stake, uh, television contracts. And so I think it would help if they took some of the, the stigma off. of Because and, and I kind of feel like these young people are under a microscope on almost every aspect of their life. And they see money around them and they see so much stuff. And I think if they were given something out of some of this money, I think it would make things a little bit more real for them earlier so that they could make the adjustment. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I do think that's being looked at, and I hope that they make that change because I think it'll make things a little bit better. Um, but I'd, like you said, I think that when things aren't looked at on a constant basis, rules sometimes need to be changed. And yeah, that's just I mean, point. as this game keeps growing, I mean, look at the number of bowl games they have in colleges and right. you know you went through a list of the things from merchandise sales and 
you know, I mean, it can go on and on and on, and the kids aren't really compensated. I mean, they are when they hoist up that national championship trophy if they get the chance to do that, you know, and get a college degree, and, you know, and that's a phenomenal thing to do. But, you know, when you're zeroing in on certain people and, you know, it's like they have, like, it out for certain people and they're watching certain people's lives but other people's not, you know, it's not real consistent. And they can affect a whole lot of people by someone eating the steak, you know. It it, it becomes something so worse and, you know, and it affects a lot of people. Scholarships get taken away, uh, you know, and... You know, people open up restaurants near places, you know, near stadiums and stuff like that, and it affects right. them if the fans don't go. You know, it's it's a whole thing, and it's like someone needs to govern that a little bit better. There needs to be, just like how the NFL, every year, you know, it looks like the commissioner's on the podium telling us, well, this rule's changing, this is changing. It always needs to be something constant. Good or bad, something needs to happen, something needs to be changed. Is there a, a, a particular coach you mentioned your high school coach or mentor that really you give the most credit to for your success? Hmm. I think my uh, my first coach when I was in June All American. I mean, he really hit it home with how to be disciplined and how to be mentally tough, and you know what is mentally tough, and you know how to really work. And I mean, everything this guy told me. I listen to. I mean, I still go buy some of the stuff. I still eat spaghetti the night before a game because he told me that when I was eight, that mm-hmm. I was going to be, you know, playing faster than everyone else because of carbs. And, you know, he. It, I mean, from getting in the stance and all those fundamental things I've taken on from this day, uh, I mean, he's a phenomenal coach. And I, I still keep in contact with him. Coach Robert Williams out there in Tustin, California, he did a phenomenal job with me. And, you know, I'm I'm – blessed that uh, we still have a real good relationship because, you know, it's been so many odd years, you know, and, you know, people go in different directions. Heck, I live in Ohio. I don't live in California. And, you know, you change your number a couple of times, but we still keep in contact. And um, I'm blessed to be a part of his life. And I'm sure he'll say the same. So let's move from USC to your road to the NFL. Um did you know you wanted to play in the NFL? Was that a dream of yours? Was that something that you set your sights on and you were determined to do that? Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, when you're a little boy, like I said, the first image I got was, you know, seeing Jackie Slater give that interview. And I was in awe then. And, you know, you go through high school and you go through the growing pains of not knowing and scholarships and making sure your grades are this and your test scores are this and, you know, you you go to college and then you start to find yourself there as a young man growing up, you know, being accountable and, you know, living off an itinerary and being at classes at a certain time. And, you know, it's a lot of structure and stuff. It, you know, it matures you. And then I think by the time my junior year came, that's when, like, the NFL really started, like, beaming on me that, you know, this would be coming up. This is the next step. You're not just in school. This is, you know and we kept winning and guys were getting drafted ahead of me and it just really got surreal and you know then you really start focusing on playing up to that level that you know you can show them that you can play at the NFL level so um again 
Okay. Well, you know, I mean, if I were going to ask you to take a word and, and attach it to high school football and then another word for college football and then another word for the NFL, because it's always, you know, when we do this in basketball with, with Lucas, who, you know, is, is so close to you and very fond of you, and, and you've given him great advice. He, for our listeners, he's 6'8", and he's 16 years old and planning on playing basketball for a long time. But it, it, we, we always use the word, it just gets faster as you grow in it. It just gets, you know, quicker, and you have to be quicker. And what word would you attach to high school versus college versus the NFL for those mm-hmm. young people that listen to the show that are coming through the football ranks? Wow, that's a good question. I think the high school would be growing, growing, you know, it's instrumental with growing with your teammates and learning how to, you know, play in unison and try to win a, a, a championship or a league title or something like that. So you, you're growing, and the college word, I would think, I would go with sharpening because you're sharpening all your tools. The, now you're being coached at a higher level, and, you know, guys that have coached in the NFL, have played in the NFL, and they come back and coach colleges, and they've seen different things, and that's when you're really learning techniques and, you know, moves and, you know, just sharpening your tools. And then I think – the pros is just executing. I think that's what it comes down to because every play counts. You know, every snap it's accounted for. It's your job, and you have to execute. You have to be professional. And I think those three words describe every level. Do you think that as you get older or more mature and you grow through to the NFL, you also get smarter with prioritizing, you know, those things in your life that, could become distractions or maybe, you, you know, you didn't think about because I do think that there's a mental transformation as much as a physical transformation. And what I've been particularly amazed by and, and really grateful that, that, that we're in each other's life is that you just get it. I mean, I just, you know, we talk about so many different things when we're, we're together and it doesn't take a lot of words. I mean, you know, we just understand one another and, and, and you know, I just, I just appreciate that in you because you're smart and you 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 know you know you know that and and I'm sure you we I mean every day we read about somebody having some difficulty or some problem or something you just shake your head and wonder you know I mean how that guy you know forget he had a gun in his suitcase or how that guy forget this or how why that guy take that or do this I mean Everybody has problems in their life, and everybody grows up making mistakes. It's not so much the mistake that amazes me. It's the fact that they repeat the mistake over and over again, and that's what gets to me as an agent as well as a father or whatever, and I'm curious what your thoughts are about that. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, obviously with age you do mature, and, I mean, everyone in society hopes you mature with age. Um it's a stepping stone, really. You know, in this league, a lot. You know, they they say uh, the NFL stands for not for long because the average lifespan in that is three years. And so, you know, while you're young, 22, 23, run around, you have money. Of course, you're going to make some mistakes that you know a lot of people just don't understand. You know, uh, the majority of the guys in the NFL come from poverty, never really had much. Obviously, you see how strict it is in college that you can't have anything but your stipend or whatever money that the university allows you to have, and that's generally not a lot. So the first couple of years people are in the NFL, you know, they just go out and they try to do everything they 
you know, they're living a dream, you know, pretty much. And, you know, if they don't make it past that three years, they never have a time to mature and really get what it is to be a professional. And, you know, it's about the people you surround yourself with. I don't really run around with knuckleheads. You know, um, everyone has to be accounted for. Everyone, you know, is doing something with their, their lives. They have people that are counting on them to do the right things, and those are the type of people you need in your life. You know, it's not to say anything wrong with other people, but, you know, here you are with the crowd you run with. So I just... Over years, you know, I'm going to my eighth year in the NFL, I've had a chance to, you know, meet you, for instance. You know, you've been very instrumental in my life, and, you know, from the days of not knowing what's going on and complaining about it to learning how to really grow up in the NFL, and, you know, you can't let a lot of stuff get to you. You have to deflect it and keep chopping wood, and, you know, you've taken through that, but a lot of people don't have someone like that in their corner to help them and tell them that's a bad idea or this is a good one and learn how to communicate. So the maturing just takes time, you know, Jimmy? Right. I, well, I, you know, I certainly think that you've done an amazing job at, at, at dealing with that and the discipline with it. We're, we're, gonna, we're here with Frosty Rucker, the defensive end for the Cleveland Browns. Um, this is our Super Bowl special. Uh, we're going to take a short break. The show is brought to you by uh, Smart Water. This is Jimmy Gould, your host. With Frosty, we'll, please stay tuned. We'll be back shortly and talk about the Super Bowl on Sunday and about your life with the Cleveland Browns. Please stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you have career aspirations that seem beyond what you think you can afford? At Ohio Midwestern College, you can transform your hard work into a bachelor's degree in business administration, education, or Christian ministries. Call 1-888-887-4300 or check out www.omw.edu to learn how you can afford a fully accredited degree today. Ohio Midwestern College. Affordable. Professional. Genuine. Our open enrollment starts today. Call us now at 1-888-887-4300 or on the web at www.omw.edu. That's 1-888-887-4300 or on the web at www.omw.edu. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America business channel your success your success could depend on it do the adventures of indiana jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession if so don't miss indiana jones myth reality and 21st century archaeology with dr joseph schuldenrein 
you'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to A Current Life with Jimmy Gould. If you have a question or comment for Jimmy or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd like to send an email, the address is acurrentlife at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to A Current Life and my very special guest, Frosty Rucker, defensive end for the Cleveland Browns on our Super Bowl special. Uh, Frost, I wanted to talk uh, briefly before getting into a little bit about the game on Sunday, kind of your transition from the Bengals to the Browns, uh, also with the new ownership of the Browns and the new coaches and uh, those kinds of things, what some of your thoughts are and what some of the exciting things you're looking forward to doing on the field uh, in, in the coming season. Well, I think uh, the, some of the similarities in that is that both teams are aggressive and are well coached. You know, I, um, you know, Marvin did a tr- tremendous job developing me, developing me as a young pup. To I was able to hit the free free agency and you know get a contract like I did and be able to back it up by playing well. So you know, my hats off. We're always off to Marvin for doing a good job with drafting me and you know getting me to the level I'm at now. And uh, you know, obviously at Cleveland, we got a uh, coaches change and new ownership and. Whatnot, and you know, this is my first time going through something like that. But you know, if you're a professional about it and you go about your business and you work really hard, everything should work out for you one way or another. And that's all I can take on that. I'm going to go in there and work my tail off and lead and be the type of person and player I am. And you know that that hasn't failed me yet, Jimmy. Well, I, I I think it's going to be an exciting year for you. You had a, a great beginning uh, with the Browns. Um, they're a great organization. Uh, we obviously knew the former owner, and, and I, I think Mr. Haslam coming in and doing what he's doing, I think it's important. Um, you know, it's a great football town. It's a great dynasty. Phenomenal. And, and I think they're fortunate to have you, and I think that, quite frankly, I think that uh, they're growing and they're going to continue to grow. So I think it's, looking ahead, I think it's going to be a really great opportunity for everybody, and uh, I'm excited for you. Uh, Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, maybe, I feel good about at, it. Maybe at this time next year, we'll, we'll all be at Super Bowl, right? It's in New York. Yeah, that's the plan. So, you know, so that's, <laughs> and, and Jimmy, we trust. <laughs> so, exactly. you know... Uh, uh, the, the, the whole town's going to be ecstatic once, you know, we get rolling and training camps around and, you know, all the different changes and the upgrades that Mr. Haslam's doing around uh, just the city. You know, um, this Cleveland is just a real fan base, like hard-nosed football team. You know, they they are at the stadium at 4 in the morning uh, tailgating. I mean, <laughs> They're diehards, and, you know, we want to put together a winner. I know everyone in the locker room is going to 
worked their tails off this whole off season to be in the best shape and you know mentally sharp as possible to take all this on. You know, we got new playbooks. Uh, it's just a whole new direction, and the energy level is going to be high. And you know, I'm excited for the future with with the Browns. Well, um, I know a bunch of the guys that are coming over there, uh, Joe Banner and Mike Lombardi and a lot of those people. I've known them for a long time, so I think it'll be a class organization. I certainly knew the guys that were there before, too, and I think that um, certainly what's clear to me is that uh, everybody in Cleveland wants a winning team and and wants to go to the next level. So, you know, I'll be pulling for you and hope to be there with you a year from today when we're in New York uh, celebrating. And with oh, that in mind, I want to get your thoughts for our listeners. I think we've had a lot of people uh, email us because they knew you were coming on the show. You know, the show is, uh, is promoted really throughout uh, 2,000 screens in 170 malls across the entire United States. So right now, every four minutes, your picture pops up on the AdSpace Mall network. And, um, and they're really curious about, number one, your thoughts and feelings about this year's Super Bowl. And kind of how you did you pick them in the beginning of the year were some of the questions and or in fact these teams surprises to you. I picked the Browns going to the Super Bowl this year to be completely <laughs> honest to start that and uh, I mean what a what a tremendous Super Bowl that we got you know two really well coached teams defensive offensive you know great special teams brothers being the head coach I mean it's a it's a one for history, and I, I, you know, I my old friend Justin Smith, you know, playing mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl. Ahmad Brooks, those guys are out there in the Forty ers and uh, you know, old friend Bobby Williams is, you know, playing sure. for Baltimore, and, and you know, and that's what it's all about, you know, you know, I don't really go to the Super Bowl, and you know, just because of I can't say jealousy, but I don't really want to go to that game until I'm playing in it, you know, and you know, it's. It's good to watch, and you know, but that feeling in that environment, I can only imagine. And you know, it's so tough to get to. Um, I think I'm. If it ever that day happened for me, I think that'd be one of my best performances ever. Well, I always tell the story, um, uh, and this may surprise some of my NFL friends, but you know, in the years when we would go to Super Bowl, uh, the players that I represented myself early on when I was first an agent, which uh, it goes back a couple decades. Um, Jeez, you know we would. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I'm a I'm a I'm a young guy, but the uh, we would go, and then we would all. They never wanted to stay and watch the game there if they weren't in it because they said it, it, it. They didn't really say it was jealousy. It was just kind of like they wanted to go home and watch it on television because they weren't in the game, and the and it probably is. I mean, you battle all year long to get to the two final teams that are in this uh, just monstrous event that is watched by hundreds and hundreds of millions of people around the world. And, you know, it's exciting to be around and everything, but when the game starts, it's kind of like you're not there. You don't want to be in the stands watching another team play. Is that kind of your feeling? Yeah, I mean, it's dead on, you know. And like I said, it's it's not the feeling of jealousy. It's just... Uh, it's like a teaser or something, and I don't want to be teased yeah. with that. I don't want to be in see that environment and want to be on the field and see all the lights on the first kickoff when everyone takes, their, you know, the pictures of the kickoff. And you know, th- those are things that I rather see on TV or in person when I'm have my pads on. You know, um, and 
heck, half the hats off for the guys that can make it and play a full 16 games in this league and, or, you know, and play four more playoff games if they have to go through the wild card. I mean, from a training camp, it's so tough to get there and you put so much work into it that, you know, that day would be special when you get to run out of that, uh, that tunnel and, you know, and you're playing for a Super Bowl in front of all those, all those fans in different countries and, I mean, it's special. So let's talk about Baltimore first because you played them twice this year. So give us your thoughts and feelings in particular about the offense, number one, which you went up against in two games this year, and then also your thoughts uh, about Ray Lewis and obviously and, and guys like Ed Reed, but particularly Ray and his impending uh, retirement after this season. Definitely. I mean, like you said, it. Um... We, we played Baltimore two times this year, and I've been playing Baltimore for years, you know, being in the same division sure. when I played for the Bengals and then now. So I've seen a lot of that film, played against a lot of these guys, a bunch of games, and, you know, you know what you're going to get from Baltimore. is going to be a very physical game, and, you know, the two games we played them in Cleveland this year uh, were two of our best statistically defensive games. You know, we match up really well versus them, and, um, you know, they beat us both times, and, you know, they made more plays than us. You know, we had no excuses, but it's a very physical game. And um, they just, they're going to pound the ball at you. Ray Rice is a dynamic uh, running back. They have a, a solid offensive lineman. And, you know, you got Flacco back there that is just, you know, playing like the best quarterback in the game. You know, um, they got good receivers. They run great routes. They uh, catch the ball. You know, they move the chains, and they're a consistent, uh, balanced team that Baltimore is. I've always felt that they were more of a defensive team than an offensive team, but, you know, this year with Flacco, they seem to have a really strong balance between those two things. Did you feel that, too? Exactly. It's, uh, you know, a bit different, you know. Um, they had an offensive, uh, you know, offense coordinator change during the season, and that probably, um, you know, helped some things and loosened some things up around there to be able to attack more down the field and do some things that they do. But, you know, that's one thing. Baltimore's just always been well-coached, and, you know, they're obviously they're playing in the biggest game of people's lives um, Sunday, and it's a result of being consistent and, you know, beating the teams in your division and, you know, beating AFC teams and playing great in the playoffs. They're, they're a, a great football team to, you know, try to try to be like, so to say. Do you pull for the AFC team because you're in that division? Good question. Um, hmm. Not or really. Less no, no, not in this. Not really. Um, right. I, 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 I pull for the team that's more hungry, you know, and, oh, yeah, we didn't get to the Ray Lewis, and I think Ray's just the man. Uh, yeah. The things he's done in his career and the mark he's played on this game. I mean, he's the man. How big of an impact will Ray Lewis have on the emotional side of the game? From that standpoint, he's so powerful in terms of his commitment and what he's done and, and what he stands for. Do you think that that can just be enough to maybe just carry them since this is his last game? Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you said it. He is the pulse of that whole team. He's the pulse of that city. I mean, Ray Lewis is the Baltimore Ravens, and uh, 
I think that when Ray said he was going to retire, that added some juice right there and some fire to him uh, to the team. And look how they're playing. You know, um, Baltimore's always been a great team, but without Ray Lewis in that lineup, it was a whole different, you know, whole different defense. And you know, it all resolves around him. And uh, I think they're going to play with a lot of energy, and it's just going to—it's going to come down to the wire. I think it's going to be a very good defensive game that. The last person that has the ball is probably going to win. You know, I uh, go back as far as Lawrence Taylor. I actually did his contract uh, when he was going to come over to the USFL um, when uh, we had the Generals, Trump and I. And um, I remember, and I've always been fond of that particular position because it's kind of that, you know, that, that I call it the captain position on the defense. And clearly, I think Ray, like Lawrence Taylor, were two of the most exceptional, maybe Urlock or two, and maybe there's a few other ones that you certainly can name, that have just been just incredible uh, leaders and emotional drivers of a team. And just, you know, I can't even imagine what it's like getting hit by these guys. I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine getting hit by you, but I certainly can't imagine getting hit by them. But, I mean, what do your offensive guys ask you when they're getting ready to go up against a Ray Lewis? I'm not too sure um, how to answer that. I don't think they asked me anything. I think they know that, you know, you just got to be on your your A game. That guy's played the game and seen every look that you can possibly bring at him. He's played versus Hall of Famers, and he's playing, you know, in front of a future Hall of Famer and Haloti Nada that I think, you know, the, the type of game he plays. And Ray's just a bad dude, man. Like, he goes out there and just flat out makes plays. And, you know, you can – a lot of people can say what they want, that, you know, Ray's been old and they've been saying he should retire for the last five, six years. And look at what he's done and the numbers he puts up. I mean, the guy can just flat out play. And, you know, when you're playing versus a guy like that, obviously you don't want to not make the play and say, man, that old guy beat me. But, you know, you got to remember <laughs> that old guy is Ray Lewis that we're talking about here. And – I mean, he's going to go down as the best middle linebacker in the game, um, arguably. I mean, yeah, <laughs> nothing else to say, you know. Well, you wouldn't want to be his teammate and not show up and do your job, that's for sure. Exactly. So. He demands the respect and, you know, he backs it up. So, you know, if you can get every ounce of effort that you can get from individuals and bring their game to the highest level, I mean – you're doing your job, and you're bringing someone along with you. And in this case, he's brought the whole city along with him. You know, everyone respects that team, and rightfully so. The, you know, the type of players they they bring in, the, you know, how good they play, and it's, it's it's fun to watch. So one of the great decisions and moves that was done this year was obviously Harbaugh's decision in San Francisco to switch quarterbacks from Alex Smith to Colin Kaepernick and the performance that he's had and the leadership that he's shown. I mean, uh, uh, you've obviously, I think you've played against him, right, at some point in time, or certainly familiar with him. He's done an incredible job this year, and, and it was quite a, 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 a risk that, that Harbaugh took uh, when he named him to be quarterback. Uh, how do you think he's feeling today, and, and what do you think? Do you think he'll be able to take the pressure of the Super Bowl, and how do you think he'll fare? Well, good question. I think, uh, 
it was a gutsy call what he did you know and everyone from the outside looking in including myself is like what's he doing this guy no one's heard of this other mm-hmm. kid I mean you've heard of him but he hasn't been in the games and when he did he did fine but you know and Alex Smith wasn't exactly not doing his job either so it was a very gutsy call but again coach obviously have seen uh, Colin in practice he probably ran the scout team and probably gave the defense a fit and that's why they play so good you know because working against that guy every day you know on the cards and stuff so you know he knew what he had and uh, you know it was just the perfect opportunity and not to say because of in- in- injury to Alex Smith but you know the guy had to step up it happened to be him and coach brought him in to play and you know the rest is history you know, one of the things I think that has probably not been talked a lot about, but I feel that it's important that Frank Gore have a great game. And I feel that way because I think that opens up the passing game for, for Kaepernick. Uh, do you feel that, uh, first of all, what do you think about that? And secondly, do you agree with me? Yeah, I do agree with you. Um, I think uh, that offense, the style of the offense they play, um, it just does wonders when you have a hard running back that's going to go downhill and you have to you have to be in front of him and then you had a quarterback that can do the dynamic things that he does um it just makes it very tough you know to really defend you know and either or if you are going to just try to take care of the quarterback and stop that run he can throw the ball with a very strong accurate arm and they're playing at a high level you know uh, and by the way, I, I, I like the 49ers in this game. I was just about to ask you. So you're oh, picking... I know. I can read your mind. <laughs> so you're I picking the 49ers. Them. Yeah, I like the 49ers in this game. Yeah, I do, too. I, I really uh, do. I think um, I think it's their time. I was reading a lot about uh, uh, the young uh, owner, York, who's the, I guess he's the nephew of, of DeBartolo. Um right. And, you know, just they just seem to have that, that feeling that it's their time. They've been, you know, pretty much to the wire the last two years, and I think that uh, I just feel like this is their time. The one thing I just feel could change it is the emotional aspect of Ray Lewis and, and the unbelievable feeling I get when I watch Ed Reed on that field. He always seems to be around the ball. Just, uh, yeah. just to me, he just seems to just be there. I, I, and I think when you have guys like that, I mean, it's kind of like always when I look at film on you, I always see you around the quarterback, you know, like you're going to get the quarterback. So, I mean, I feel those are the kinds of things that can determine a game. But I, I do feel it will be one of the more, you know, competitive. I think it's a terrific uh, matchup. But I personally think San Francisco is going to win as well. Yeah. And you said it. <laughs> I mean, the road both teams had to take to get there, you, you know, who would have thought Peyton Manning wouldn't be out? Who would have thought, yeah. you know, Aaron Rodgers? And, you know, every, and they play these teams toe-to-toe. There's not really no controversy call, controversial calls. It's been flat-out play football, and they've both teams have won. So I know, I know you played Denver this year, right? And yeah. I was curious, were you pretty amazed by how Peyton came back and his transition from Indianapolis to Denver it was pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, to come back from the injury he had, and, you know, I've had injuries in my career, and the amount of rehab it takes to be back, and, you know, 
particularly, you know, he's doing rehab for his neck. And, you know, that's some very serious stuff that a lot of people take lightly and they don't, you know, really understand. You know, he's really risked a lot, you know. Like, we're all risking stuff going out there playing, but, you know, it was his neck and that could have been a career-ending injury. And, you know, to come back and rehab as hard as he does and continue to be the professional, the constant professional that he is with watching film and getting his team his teammates on board to, you know, work the way they work and just be structured. And, I mean, that guy's going to be a general manager or president of an organization one day when he's done. Yeah, like Elway, I agree with you. So I'm curious on another note, um, how do you feel the whole media, I mean, obviously at this time of the year it's so unbelievable you can't, you know, can't get away from it, but, but they always seem to find stories, whether it was about, you know, uh, players being gay or the antler spray or this or that. And it kind of bothers me from one standpoint. I'm curious what you think, and I'm not picking on the media because I have a lot of good friends in the media, and it's an important part of the game. But, you know, this is really one of the most watched events. It is the most watched event in sports. And, you know, I think that uh, that with your job comes this scrutiny and I'm curious how you can prepare to uh, for the attention that the media gives you, especially if you're playing in the game at this time, and the effect that it has on you and your teammates. Yeah, I mean it's it's a constant distraction when you really don't want it to be one. You you know, especially I can only imagine playing in this game and all that's going on with that down there in New Orleans. But you know, there's just there's so much negativity that is, revolves around sports in this day and age. And, you know, there's not anything that you can really do to fix the issues now because everyone's trying to probe to make that, that, I mean, prime time controversial thing on TV. I mean, everyone's really looking for you to fail as for the opposite and wanting you to achieve, you know, well, I, I agree with you. I think that it. I think it's a lesson that I, I try to tell everybody I represent that you know it's part of the game. It's not going away. It. It. You know, it, it's just it's what the sport is about. It's what it's a business, and when you're in a business, uh, it plays a big role in it. So you have to be prepared for it, and you have to know what to do about it. And 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 you know. It, with every great thing, when you add up and you take 32 teams, multiply it by. 53 players or 52 players. I mean, you got 1,600 players approximately, 1,600 people that out of a population of 300 million Americans. Uh, you know, it's pretty elite stuff, and you're going to have scrutiny and people watching you and coming up to you while you're eating your meals and, you know, autographs and places where people expect you to do and almost everything. I would imagine that there's an element of withdrawal that you need to get away and you need to just let it all go in order to be able to kind of keep your sanity from time to time. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> I mean. And have a good agent to talk to about it. Exactly. I mean, if you don't have anyone to communicate with, you're not really going to get too far. And that's one of the things. But, you know, like you said, stuff's not going away. All you can do is concentrate on doing the doing the little things right every day, being consistent in your life as well as doing your job and you can't worry about the other stuff, you know. Except at the end of the day when you're, you know, you're an athlete, 
in my situation, you know, this day comes to the end when you're done playing and stuff, and, you know, you enjoy it while, it, while you can, the good and the bad, because it's always something that you can learn from. Well, I, I um, we're going to get to the last segment of this show, and, and before we do, I want to say how proud I am to be a part of your life and, and what you do on the field as well as your business interests off the field with Orange Leaf and, and your many charity events and the things that you do to help other people. Uh, you're a remarkable young man. Uh, I, I can say that you're a young man compared to me, but the point is that you're a very gifted and mature and, and balanced human being, and I think there's just this is just the tip of the iceberg for you. So uh, I have the greatest respect for you, and I, I, I know our listeners, when they listen to the show, will come to know you like I have, and, and I'm just proud to be able to be a part of it. So I wanted you to know that. Definitely. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's day by day, though. You know, uh, you got to live for tomorrow, and you can't really think about what happened the day before and go from there. You know, just be, you know, live your life. That's one thing you got to do. But, you know, you have to learn from your mistakes and move past things because, you know, tomorrow can be your last day. You don't know. It's not given. So just take it for what it is and do the, do the little things right and be a good person. And so, so you can ask for. So, you know, in a couple minutes we have left, I have a, just a couple questions that I always ask at the end of the show. And that's kind of, you know, you just kind of answered one of them, which is the kind of message you want to share with our listeners and, and, and the, this, the, the kind of, you know, the advice that you could give them. Uh, you know, I want to ask you in your life, what does faith mean to you? And how's it, in, how's it helped guide you? We only have a few minutes late, but but how has that that spiritual part of your life helped shape you? It's huge. Um, you know, that's a good one to end on. But you know, just having something to believe in, and you know, and and trusting yourself that you can get things done, and you know, with hard work and dedication, and you know, being strong, and you know, abiding by your rules, and being able to be a, a model. Are a good citizen and a true professional, you know, and, you know, it's it's a day-by-day thing, and you just have to want to do it. You have to want to be better. You know, everyone makes mistakes, and everyone knows that, obviously, life isn't as easy well, as it looks on TV, you know. Well, I want to, uh, I, I wanna, we're kind of out of time. I want to thank our listeners for tuning into our show with Frosty Rocker, defensive end for the Cleveland Browns, and sharing his journey with us. Uh, we're very appreciative to him. I want to thank our listeners for tuning into Current Life on Voice America Variety Channel. This is your host, Jimmy Gould, signing off. And until next time, I wish each and every one of you a journey filled with hope, inspiration, success. And to you, my dear friend, Frosty Rucker, much love, much great success, and much thanks for taking the time on Super Bowl Special to come on the show. You got it. Thank you. Be well. Thanks again for joining us for A Current Life on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please tune in to another great program with your host, Jimmy Gould, next Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time. We'll see you next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 